0: Uh, we're back in the Gospel of Mark, so grab your Bibles and open to Mark chapter 14. Make sure you have a handout and and something to write with. I don't know if I printed enough. Um, if, you, if you didn't get one, just take one from one, one of the leaders. <laughs> from Hudson. Take Hudson's. You don't have one? See? Look at you. You already sacrificed. Such a servant. Um, yeah, thank you, uh, Daniel, for... Preaching last Sunday, um, I hope that was an encouragement and a challenge to all of you. I heard lots of great things. Uh, uh, James recorded it. I still need to listen to it, so I'll I'll, I'll do that. And um, and yeah, just thankful for all of the all of our leaders who fill in for me when when I when I need a, a sub, and they do a great job. So make sure you express your gratitude. Uh, to them, okay? All right, Mark chapter 14, okay, this is the beginning of the last act in the gospel of Mark. You guys remember the, 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 how, what I called the last act of, of the book of Mark, chapters 14, 15, and 16, the last three, yes, Isaiah? Rejection. rejection. Who is going to be rejected? Jesus. Jesus. And why is that shocking in the book of Mark? He was, a good, he was the Savior. Yeah, people should be receiving him right people should be repenting of their sins and believing the gospel and receiving him as their savior but that's not what's going to happen so that's shocking you know after after being around those people for a bit for many years instead they're going to reject him condemn him mock him and crucify him so that so that's the last act of the gospel of mark we started chapter 14 two Sundays ago we're going to continue uh, this morning but we really we, we only have three chapters left. I mean 14 is is the longest. So it's going to take us some time, but after that you get to 15 and 16 is really short and and we will be done with with the gospel of Mark Lord willing. So turn to Mark chapter 14 and follow as I read verses 12 through 31. So I'm even covering a long section this morning and I and and you'll notice that that your Bible's probably split this into two stories. You you may have a title above verse 12 that says about the Passover, right? You may have that, the last Passover. And then above verse 22, you may have another title about the Lord's Supper or communion. You guys have those somewhat kind of, but but yeah, but they're 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 uh, they're separated as two stories, but I think they they they're together. They're one. Okay? I think if you separate them and teach them separately, I think you miss the point. Okay? So, look at verse 12 and follow as I read. And I'm going to ask you, pay attention, because I'm going to ask you, after we read this, what you think is the main point of Mark. Why is he talking about Judas and the disciples in the midst of the last Passover that he's going to celebrate with the disciples, And the first communion that he's going to do, and this is Thursday, and he's going to die the next day, Friday. So what is Mark trying to teach us? Okay, Look at verse 12. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was was being sacrificed, his disciples said to him, to Jesus, Jesus, where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you there carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him, and and wherever he enters, say to the owner of that house, Hey, the teacher says, Where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he himself will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Prepare for us there. So the disciples went out and came to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he came with the twelve. and As they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be grieved and say to him, one by one, surely not I. And he said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who dips with me in the bowl. For the Son of Man is to go just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. While they were eating, he took some bread, and after, after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to them and said, take, eat, uh, t- take it, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and give thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, Even though all may fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows twice, you yourself will deny me three times. But Peter kept, insist- kept saying insistently, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all were saying the same thing also. So that's our story for this morning. Now I know it's a long story, like I said, right? Uh, com- comprised of two stories, and there's a lot of things going on. You maybe I don't know if this is your first time reading this. I don't know if you're familiar with these, with these stories. But you have the Passover lamb. You're probably saying, "What is that?" You know, and you have the the, the two disciples going to the city and just finding this random guy, and then everything just unfolds unfolds as as Jesus had had predicted. And you're like, "What is that all about?" Right? And then you have the blood and 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 the ransom for many and then you have the bread and the cup and the wine and the passover meal and then jesus is saying that uh, that i will i will not celebrate this again until i come back in the kingdom and all those things all of those many 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 details so so you're thinking about those things but what do you think is mark trying to to say and and talk about and teach us this morning what do you think is the main point of the story you have the passover that's been practiced for 1500 years in the old testament and then jesus does it for the last time before he dies but he does something for the very first time also before he dies which will which will be the 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 which which the christians will start celebrating for the rest of the time so what do you think is right in the middle of that while all the people around Jesus were betraying him and falling away, yes, that he's the perfect sacrifice. That he's the perfect sacrifice. You guys get that? Um, I that's why I titled this the ultimate Passover lamb, right? Because in the Old Testament, that's what they did: they killed and sacrificed and poured out the blood of an unblemished one-year-old lamb for every year, once a year, for 1,500 years. They did that every single year, right? And then Jesus comes and He's saying, I'm going to die tomorrow. You know, you know what I, wanna I want to do? I want to celebrate the Passover meal with my disciples. And then, and then He does something that's never been done before in a Passover meal and He turns, he turns it into a communion service. And then He says that, I will be the final and ultimate Passover lamb, and then he dies the next day, right? And in all of the background of people failing, okay, all, all of, all, of, you know, the, Judas betraying him and the disciples falling away, all of that, he's saying, guys, you cannot trust yourself. You need to trust me because I am the ultimate final Passover lamb. So if you're looking at, at this long story with kind of too many stories of the Passover and Communion, surrounded by Jesus, determined to accomplish what God has said, while everybody else around him is failing. You need to you need to just you need to just see the, the main point of mark and 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 say, okay, this is about Jesus Christ. Making the ultimate sacrifice. He is the final and ultimate and last and perfect one. sin for all Passover lamb sacrifice for the sins of people who keep failing him. That's the point. You you guys you guys kind of getting it a little bit? Yeah. So so as as we go through it, it, that main point will just unfold, and hopefully it'll be clear clear to you at the end. And I'm gonna give you some personal applications, so you're not just looking at Judas and the eleven, and you're looking at yourself. Um, so that you have some some applications to to take away. So, so here's the the outline. Okay, three reasons why Jesus became the ultimate Passover lamb. Okay, so what's the main point? Jesus is the ultimate, ultimate Passover lamb. Okay, the perfect sacrifice, the once and for all, last one sacrifice for the sins of the world. So here, Mark is going to um, give us the three reasons why. Jesus became the ultimate Passover lamb. So number 1, this is a fill in the blank. Number 1 to fulfill the scriptures. Okay, to fulfill the scriptures. Okay, to to fulfill God's word, to fulfill the Old Testament specifically. Okay? Because because in the Old Testament, the prophets and the authors of the Old Testament pointed to Jesus Christ as the ultimate Passover lamb. Okay? Now, you you and I don't celebrate the Passover today, but it's important for you to know why the Jews celebrated the Passover and and how they celebrated it. So I want you to turn to, to Exodus chapter 12. Okay, Exodus chapter 12. This is when God gave the last plague to everybody in Egypt so that Pharaoh would let God's people go, right? Do you guys remember that story? So this is, the, this is probably the most important event in, in Jewish history, the Exodus. Okay, so look at Exodus chapter 12, look at verse 1, and I'll just read all uh, along, and, and it's pretty self-explanatory, but, but I want you to get why the, why the Jews celebrate the Passover and how they did it. Okay, verse 1, Exodus chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, remember they were the leaders of of the Israelites, in the land of Egypt, so they're still in Egypt, they're they're still slaves, okay? This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It's like saying that, okay, January is the beginning of month for, for us. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, on the 10th of this month, okay, let's just say January, right? January 10th, they are... They are each one to take a lamb for themselves, talking to the families, the Jewish families, according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Okay, January 10, you need to tell the Israelites to to get a lamb. Verse 5, Your lamb shall be an unblemished male a year old. So the best of the best, young. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day. So how many days will they have the lamb with them in their home? Four days. Right, Or say five, right? 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Okay? Four to five days of the same month. Then, then the whole assembly of the con- congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall, they shall take some of the blood, so kill it, take the blood from the lamb, and put it on the doorpost and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. So they are to kill it, Take the blood, cover their, their, their doorposts with the, with, with the blood, and then they are to eat the meat of the lamb that they just killed and drain the blood. Okay, Verse 8, They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. The unleavened bread, as you know, it, you know, it, it, it doesn't have time to, to, to rise, so there's no, there's no leaven, and the bitter herbs is to re- remind them of the bitterness of living under the slavery of the Egyptians. That's why, okay? This is not so much about the the taste. It's, this is not like our Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, it's all about the taste and the amount of food. This is really all about remembering the Exodus. How bad it was. How bitter it was for them. Verse 11. Verse 11. Now you shall eat it in this manner. Okay, this is how you're to eat the the lamb, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste, because they're about to exit Egypt. It is the Lord's Passover. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, so animals also, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. Okay, this is the last plague, okay, the death, death of the firstborn. And he, and he says, I am the Lord. Verse 13, the blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you live. Okay, the, what they just put on the, the doorpost from the lamb, the, the blood of the lamb. And when I see the blood, okay, this is God talking. But we know that he's going to use the, the death angel to, to execute this. But, but God says, When I see the blood, I will pass over you, I pass over your house. And no plague, the death of the first son, will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now this day will be a memorial to you. So this is where they're going to start celebrating the Passover holiday, the Passover meal every year. And you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord, throughout your generations you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. So that was the first Passover. That was the first Passover meal. That was the first lamb. That was the first occasion of that. So So again, the exodus is probably the most important event in, in all Jewish history because that's when God saved them out of Egypt and that's when when He covered them with His wrath, okay? And, and when he saved them out of Egypt, that was the very first time when they were able to become a free, one nation, chosen people of God. So this is, this is crucial for the Jews. And then, and then from then on, they were to celebrate this Passover meal, again, which involved killing a lamb, sacrificing it, eating it, and, and using the blood to cover that's the whole point of the lamb, right? So now go back to, to Mark chapter 14. So I hope, I, I know I just read Exodus 12. I know there's a lot more things about the Passover, um, but that's pretty much it. That's why they celebrated the Passover, and that's how they celebrated the Passover. So now when you go back to Mark, Mark chapter 14, look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed. So now we know why they're doing that. We, we know when they're doing that, right? In January. Okay, and they've had the lamb for how long? Four or five days, right? So now the lamb was being sacrificed. Jesus' disciples said to uh, his deci- "Yeah." Jesus' disciples said to him, to Jesus, "Hey, Jesus, where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover?" Right? Hey, it's that time. You know, the, the, the lambs are being killed and sacrificed in the temple. And we have to do it inside Jerusalem because that's what the Old Testament said. You know, it has to be celebrated inside the city. And we have, to, we have this lamb. It's time to take this lamb into the temple for the chief priest and the priest to, to, to kill it and sacrifice it. And then they're going to take the blood and cover the altar there. And we're going to take the meat and take it home with us and cook it with bitter herbs and, and, and unleavened bread and some wine. Where do you want us to do all that, Jesus. Look at verse 13. And he, Jesus, sent two of his disciples, so two of the twelve, and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Okay, kind of random, right? I mean, this is, this is the Passover week. Millions of people are in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, right? So everybody is going there with their lambs, going into the temple, the same exact thing that the two disciples are about to do. And, and out of all the millions of people in the hustle and bustle of Jerusalem in the middle of the day, Jesus says, yeah, find a guy with a p- pitcher of water. Okay. And follow him, verse 14. And wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, so this guy is probably a a." a, a a servant of, of a housemaster getting water for the housemaster, so he enters a house, say to the owner of the house, another guy's going to meet you. he's the owner of the house. You tell him, "Hey, master of the house, the teacher, the rabbi, Jesus, says, "Where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover of my disciples?" <laughs> you just tell him that. You know as soon as you meet this, this house owner, you say, "Hey, our teacher, he needs a place. Where is it? <laughs> Where is it? Verse 15. And he himself, okay, the, ma- the, the, the house owner, the house master, will show you a large upper room furnished already and ready. Prepare for us there. Prepare the Passover meal, the Passover lamb there. Now, why do you think Jesus was all secretive about his instructions? Now, you might be thinking, okay, did Jesus pre-plan that? Maybe. Or did his father, God the Father, tell him that in the moment? Maybe. But that's not the point. Why do you think it was all secret and hush-hush about the instructions? There was someone who's been watching his steps, every single step he takes, because he wants all of the info so that he can give it to these people so that they can go in and kill him. What's that? Judas. Judas. Judas was still with them, right? And remember, in the beginning of Mark chapter 14, right, Judas, right, is now partner in partnership with the scribes and the chief priests, and the chief priests and the scribes are saying, oh, we can't kill him right now, you know, it's too busy, lots of people, it's going to cause a riot, and we're going to make, we're going to make ourselves look like the bad guys. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we have to go in secret, you know, kind of like, like Navy SEAL mode and just take him, you know, and w- when no one's watching and then kill him and just wake up the next morning, oh, he's dead, oh, that's too bad. He was a good man, right? That was their plan. So now Judas is in cahoots with them, right? He's the spy, right? And now Judas is watching every single step. So if, if Jesus just said, hey guys, so we're gonna go to 9847 West Quail Avenue, that's, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna do the, the Passover meal there, and at 6 o'clock, you know, from 6 to, five, uh, six to 7, we're going to eat the meal there. And, um, and so let's do it. Then Judas would have known, hey, scribes, chief priests, it's going to go down. Okay, 9847 West Quail Avenue, Peoria, 85382. From 6 to 7, they're going to have dinner there, and it's just going to the, be them. So go in the back alley, you know, jump the fence, and just take him and kill him right there. So Jesus was all... Secretive about his instructions. Verse sixteen, verse sixteen. The disciples went out and came to the city and found it just as he had told them. The it, it, it. There is referring to the upper room and found that room just as Jesus had told them, and they prepared the Passover meal there. Surprise, surprise, right? They they left Jesus's uh, presence and they're like, what in the world did you hear? His instructions? But hey, he's Jesus, so let's just do it, and then exactly how jesus predicted it would happen they saw the man he had a picture they followed him they saw they saw a a a master of the house the, the house owner and they just said what jesus told them to say hey our teacher needs a room where is it and he showed them the upper room already furnished and ready exactly just as jesus had told them yes Creepily? Like like, like kinda... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they talked to him. Um I'm not sure. I don't know if he shared his water with them. Uh I I don't know. But exactly just as Jesus had predicted. Right? Again because they're trying he's he's hiding the info from Judas because he still needs to celebrate the passover with them he still needs to to teach them a bunch of things right that mark doesn't say but john 13 through 17 talks about and he still needs to to, to initiate the first communion he still needs to do all that and so therefore he can't die yet right so the 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 two the two guys prepare the passover there and and you guys already know what they had to do right they had to bring that one year old one year old lamb that's been with them for the past 5 days to the temple and again this is all Thursday afternoon they're doing this right the priest had to kill that lamb sacrifice it drain its blood sprinkle it all over the altar and all the people who bought, who brought the lamb right so there's a lot lots of blood covering going on right there's lots of blood blood covering going on Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of lambs. One person said that that were being sacrificed every year in the temple. Because if you have two million people going in the, into Jerusalem, and one lamb can eat, can probably feed eight to ten people, that's two hundred thousand plus lambs being sacrificed on Thursday. So there's a lot of killing, a lot of sacrificing, lots of blood. Which makes sense because in Exodus 12, blood was the covering for God's people so that they would not receive what? God's wrath. Okay, I want you to think about that. Okay, lots of blood because the blood was intended to cover people so that God's wrath would pass over those people. So I know, I know it's kind of gross, but there, there needed a lot of blood. Because that's how God intended it. So they were to do all that. Now take now take the, the, the meat from the lamb back to this to this upper room and cook it. You know, unleavened bread, bitter spices, wine to drink, all those things. And they did all that all afternoon Thursday, and by, and then by evening Jesus and the eleven or the ten show up. So look at verse 17. When it was evening, he, Jesus, came with the twelve. Right. And and the twelve and 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 the the rest of the guys just probably just followed Jesus and Judas was probably like, Man, I don't know where I don't know where these two guys are right now. I don't have a you know, what is it? Like find my friend the the app, the iPhone, find my friend, like where are they? I have no idea. We took this turn and then we took another turn and then we're going up and then here, I don't even know where the scribes and the chief priests are. I I don't know where Jesus wants to, to eat the Passover meal until we enter that house. So Forget it. You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm no help to those murderers right now. So, they came there. Verse 18, as they were reclining at the table and eating. So, they, they started eating the Passover lamb. They started, you know, drinking the wine, eating the unleavened bread, you know, all the spices. They've, they've been eating dinner. Jesus said, out of nowhere, right? Remember, while they're eating the Passover lamb, they're talking about the exodus, right they're talking about what god did back then 1500 years ago they're talking about how god saved their ancestors they're talking about the 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 blood of that lamb that first lamb that was sacrificed they're talking about the angel of death they're talking about waking up the next morning and 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 the egyptian firstborns are all dead right and pharaoh's letting them go they're talking they're talking about all of that while eating and drinking celebrating god's Grace and God's salvation for the Israelites. So and then out of nowhere, Jesus says, Hey, truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. One of you, one who is eating with me. You know, it's like having Thanksgiving dinner, right? Remembering the pilgrims, you know, all the stuff that they did for us. <laughs> And then, and then your dad says, hey, sorry to interrupt, guys. Sorry to be the negative Nancy here, you know, the party pooper. But just, you know, just, just, just FYI, okay, FYI, uh, one of you are going to betray me. Just FYI. I have to look that up for your information. <laughs> verse 19, look at verse 19. They began to be grieved, okay, saddened sorrowful, and say to him, to Jesus, one by one, or all 12 of them, surely not I, right? It's it's literally saying, it's not going to be me, is it? Expecting a negative answer, expecting Jesus to say, no, not you. Next, it's not going to be me, is it? No, not you. Is it going to be me? Every single one. Verse 20, and he said to them, it is one of the 12. So one of you. One who dips with me in the bowl. Now, there's a lot of interpretation of that. One who dips with me in the bowl. Like, okay, did Judas dip in the same bowl? Okay, who else dip in that same bowl? Were there a lot of bowls? What is it? Was it a long table with many bowls? Or was it just one bowl, you know, one salsa bowl? Like, how many bowls were there? Um, I, I don't think that's the point. Like, like trying to figure out if Judas um, did that. John, John, John is pretty clear that he did, right? If you read John's account, he did dip in the same bowl, right? And he did say, "Hey, it's 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 him." But I don't know if the rest heard that. I'm not sure. But the point of this statement is is this: one who dips with me in the bowl sign- signifies close communion, close friendship. That's the point. Back then, when they ate together and they and they shared dipping in the same bowl, that that signifies that they were best friends. That they were that they were very close even closer than a brother. That's the the relationship that Jesus had with Judas. He's saying, yeah, it's one of the 12, but that person out of the 12 is so close to me, a close friend, a beloved friend. We've been together for a long time. I love this friend. We're close. I would die for for this friend. That kind of friend, that's the one who's going to betray me. Verse verse 21, for the Son of Man, so he gives the reason why that's going to happen, for because the Son of Man that's talking about himself, Jesus, is to go just as it is written of him. Okay, His story has been written out. It's been prophesied, predicted, planned out. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed, it's talking about Judas. It would have been good for that man for Judas if he had not been born. He, all he's saying is that it's it's better to to not exist than to commit the sin of betraying the savior. Now Jesus says just as it, it is written and he says it here a couple times. This is one of them. He said, just as it is written. He's referring to Psalm 55, okay? You, you don't have to go there and read it, but Psalm 55 was written by David, okay, King, King David. And, and he talks about his experience of having a close friend, okay? His name was Ahithophel. That was his best friend's name. Or it could have been, it could have been Saul also, but I think it was this close friend Ahithophel. He talks about his experience with that close friend betraying him in Psalm fifty-five, and and Jesus is taking that just as it is written, and he's applying it to himself, and he's saying, yeah, that exact same thing that happened to David is going to happen to me because that's how it's supposed to go down. That's how God planned it. That I will be betrayed even though it is a very close friend of mine, but it's been written for thousands, for thousands of years. And I need to accomplish that. It has to be fulfilled because I need to go through this so that I can be the ultimate Passover lamb. Remember, Jesus was God, 100%. Right? He could have, He could have killed Judas right there. Right? He could have avoided all the, all these things that are happening but because he needed to be the ultimate, the final, the last once and for all Passover lamb for the sins of the world. He said, hey, it's been written that way for a very long time so I don't have a problem with it. Let him betray me even though he's a close friend. He knew, guys, Jesus knew that it was parts of God's plan all, all along. It's been written in the Old Testament a long time and And now it's finally being fulfilled. He knows all that because he knows that it's going to bring much glory to his Father and it's going to bring salvation to sinful people. So it had to be fulfilled. Number two, second reason. Second reason why Jesus became the ultimate Passover lamb. And it's to provide our salvation. To provide our salvation. To provide our salvation. Now, remember the context. They're in the middle of doing something they were used to. Okay? If you were a Jew back then, if you're one of the 12, you grew up doing this every single year. You were used to celebrating the Passover. You were used to eating the Passover lamb. You grew up doing that every single year. right? They're doing that in, in, in the moment. But out of nowhere, okay, Jesus transitions into something that they've never done before. Okay, something that they've never experienced before, something that's super, for the very first time, brand new to them. Okay, look, look at verse 22, and it's the communion. It doesn't say communion here, but that's what we call it today because that's what we do today as a church every first Sunday of the month. Right? So look at verse 22. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to them. Okay, I want you to pay close attention because I'm asking you another important question. Okay, to extract what Mark is talking about here. He broke it, that bread, after blessing it or giving thanks, and gave it to them. And said, Take, take it, this is my body. Verse 23. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. Verse 24. And he said to them, This is the blood of my covenant which is poured out for the many. Question, is there anything interesting that you see in, the, in these verses? Kind of jump out at you. Other than what already said, that this is very first for them, something that's very new to them, and they're probably figuring out what Jesus is doing here. Other than that, anything that jumps out? Yes, Katie. right yes yeah, so now there's now Jesus is beginning to transition away from the blood of a lamb to his own blood good anything else Judas is taking it too it yeah most likely now we, we you read the the other gospels we don't we, we can't really pinpoint when he left but he did leave later on so most likely he took it. Anything else? Poured out, for many. Poured out for many. What else? Compared to when we do it today, think about how we do it today in the church Sunday morning, right? Pastor Scott goes up there, right? And then he, he walks us through it. What does, pa- uh, what does Pastor Scott that we do also? What does he do that we do? We all take it he takes it we take it he eats it we eat it he drinks it we drink it right what's the difference here though what's the difference here Jesus did not take it Jesus did not take it look at it look at it after blessing the bread he broke it and gave it to them right and said take it this is my body you eat it 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 represents my body Okay, my body's gonna be broken, gonna be sacrificed tomorrow. Verse 23 And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all, the all there is talking to the 12, and they all drank from it. He did not take communion. Now you may be wondering, why? why Why is that so significant? Let me tell you why this is so significant. Back in Exodus chapter 12, and Katie already alluded to this, the Israelites took a lamb, they killed it, they took its blood and covered the door, doorpost, and the result, God's wrath passed over them. Right? Whoever, I told you this earlier, keep this in mind, whoever had the covering of the blood of the lamb, God's wrath passed over that household, passed over those people. Right? So why wouldn't you take a lamb and kill it and take the blood and put it on your doorpost? Why wouldn't you do that? Now Jesus is taking that same idea and applying it to himself. The Jews and the Romans are going to take him away that midnight, that night. Right, They're going to kill him. Right, And his blood is going to be poured out for the many, like you mentioned. Poured out for the many. Why is that significant? That means that God is going to Going to use Jesus' own blood as a covering for those who would repent of their sin and believe the gospel. And what's the result? God's wrath would pass over those people is the point. God's wrath is going to pass over you if you repent and believe and you receive the blood covering of this ultimate Passover Lamb, Jesus Christ. So why did he not take it? Because some somebody had to provide it. Right? He said, I don't need the covering. I'm actually going to be the covering. Why would I eat bread? Why would I drink the cup? I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to provide the blood covering for you. I'm going to do that. And when you accept that, God's wrath, my Father's wrath, would pass over you, and, but at the same time, somebody had to pay for that. Who's going to have to pay for that? The person who's not covered by this, and that's going to be me on the cross. Guys, this is is significant. I want you guys to get this. The disciples took it. Jesus told them to take it. And he said, but as for me, I'm not going to take it because I'm going to be the one who would provide the blood. I'm going to be the one who would pay for God's wrath. And as a result, it would pass over you guys and you would be saved if you repent and believe. So I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to drink it. I'm going to drink something else. I'm going to drink the cup of God's wrath. That's what I'm going to drink. And my blood is going to be spilled out just like the lamb that's been sacrificed every single year for 1,500 years. Guys, this is significant. This is the heart of the gospel. Jesus became the ultimate Passover lamb for your sins, for my sins. If you have not repented of your sins, if you have not believed the gospel, if you have not loved and embraced and followed Jesus Christ, you don't have the covering. When you die, you God's wrath is not going to pass over you. It's going to engulf you and it's going to consume you for the rest of eternity. You're going to have to pay for that for all eternity. And Jesus is saying, I did not take the bread. I did not drink the cup so that I could provide that covering for you, only if you would repent and believe. I mean, this is the heart of the gospel. This is why you cannot say, okay, this is just the Passover story, and this is just the communion story, and this talks about the Old Testament, how they did it, and this talks about how the New Testament believers do it today. No, everything points to Jesus Christ as the ultimate Passover lamb. Something that all of those lambs, hundreds and millions of them, never, never um, gave true covering for their sins, and now Jesus is doing it. That's why we don't celebrate the Passover. We celebrate the communion. That's the point, guys. I want you to get that. I want you to get that. They all ate it. They all drank it, except Jesus. Because somebody had to pay for it. While they were all covered. Third reason, last one. The last reason why Jesus became the ultimate pastor of a lamb, number three, to confront our self-trust. To confront our self-trust. So back in verse 18, Jesus predicted the betrayal of Judas, right? He predicted that. He said, that's as it is written. That's going to happen. Now he's going to predict the failure of the eleven. The failure of the rest, right? It's a little bit different than Judas, but they, they will fail they will fail for a moment. Look at verse 27. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. Okay, that's, if that is in all up, uh, uppercase letters in your Bible, that's, that's a quote from Zechariah 13. Okay, That's why Jesus says, just as it is written. This, is, this has been written a long time ago and it's going to happen. All of you guys will fall away. God himself will strike down the shepherd. That's me. That's Jesus. And the sheep, that's you guys, my followers, my disciples. You guys will be scattered. You guys will run away. Verse 28, but after I have been raised, talking about his resurrection on Sunday, I will go ahead to, of you to Galilee, meaning I will I will meet you back in Galilee. But before that happens, you guys are going to scatter. You guys are going to be so fearful that you, you're going to say, "Oh, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm out you guys kill him i want to be safe and that's what happened right look look at what peter says to jesus verse 29 but peter said to him said to jesus even though all may fall away i will not <laughs> what is he saying there he's who who do you think he's singling out okay even though all may fall away yet i will not what do you think he's saying yeah He said, the 11 will, not me. Those knuckleheads, those 11, oh yeah, they will. You know, just as it is written, they they will, but not me. I'm Peter, I'm the leader. What do you think was in in Peter's heart there while he was saying that? Pride. But if we want to even make, you know, pride is very general. If we want to even even capture the the attitude of pride, what would it be? What what prideful attitude was that? What is it? Self-righteousness. Yeah, he's trusting in who? In himself. I mean, think about it, right? Jesus is talking, (laughs) right? Son of God, son of man, right? This is God talking. And he's referring to the Old Testament, God's word, right? Full proof, solid, 100%. And he said, hey, it is written. And then Peter says, ah, forget all that. (laughs) Forget all that. I don't trust that. Yeah, you're Jesus. I don't trust what you're saying. Yes, you're quoting the Old Testament. I don't trust that. I trust myself. I will not fall away. The knuckleheads, the 11 behind me, yes, that will happen to them, not me. That's self-trust. Yes, that's pride, but self-trust. Peter should have said this, Really, Jesus? We're going to do that? I trust you. I trust the Old Testament. But if that's the case, then please protect us from the temptation of abandoning you. If you're telling us that that's going to happen, we're afraid. We're not afraid of being killed. We're not afraid of ending, uh, ending being, uh, where you're going to end up. We're not really afraid of that. What we're afraid of is that we're going to betray you. So pray for us, which he did right pray for us and help us and guide us we don't want to do that so help us we're sinful people we're so weak we're so proud we're so prideful we're so prone to trust in ourselves rather than you so so you know that already so please help us that's that's what he should have said but he didn't look at what Jesus says to Peter verse 30 verse 30 And Jesus said to him, to Peter, truly I say to you that this very night, again, that's Thursday night, before a rooster crows twice, going into the early mornings the next day, Friday, you yourself, okay, he said, I will not, I myself will not deny you. And Jesus says, no, you yourself will deny me three times. But Peter kept saying insistently, okay, not just consistently, but with, with, with insistence. Even if I have to die with you, Jesus, I will not deny you. I myself will not deny you. And Mark says, and they all, the rest of the guys, the rest of the 11, were all saying the same thing. Peter was very proud and really trusted in himself. Yes, the 11 did too, but Peter, foremost, he was trusting in himself. He should have been trusting in Jesus Christ. He should have been trusting in what Jesus Christ was quoting from the Old Testament and that should have driven him to humility and and he should have been on his knees. Jesus, don't let that happen. Help us. But he was all self-trust. Flip your... your handout to the backside, I, I, I'm going to give you just three lessons, very important lessons that you need to think about. Again, there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of things I did not cover. It's a long story. You may be asking about, you know, details about the Passover lamb, Exodus, covenant, new covenant, old covenant. Um, but I want, I want you to think about these applications, okay? Number one, good works are not enough to save, okay? Good works are not enough to save you, need Jesus' blood. That's why I kept telling you guys, blood covering God's wrath. Okay? God's wrath has to be given to all sinful people. Okay? He doesn't wink at sin, He doesn't put it under the rug. It has to be paid for. And Jesus' blood is the only, and the final, and the ultimate covering for any of you who would repent and believe good works that's not a covering that's not a covering for god's wrath christian upbringing because your your parents are christians that's not a covering just because you're not as bad as your as your classmates at school that's not a good covering that's not enough only jesus blood is the final covering for god's wrath you guys get that right it doesn't matter what you guys have done, it doesn't matter what kind of upbringing you've had, those things are not coverings, only Jesus' blood. Number two, knowing God's word is not enough, knowing God's word is not enough, you must fully trust it, you must fully trust it. That means reading your Bible and knowing more of your Bible is not enough. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that, but that's not enough. You know why? Because unbelievers, atheists, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Catholics, all, all, all people who are not Christians, Scientologists, all of those false religions do the same thing that you do. They read the Bible like you do. They know a lot more of the Bible than you do. So knowing God's word is not enough, what's the difference then between you and those false religions and non-Christians? Trusting it is the is the difference. Do you trust it? When the Bible tells you, hey, you should submit to authority that God has placed you under, do you trust that? Or do you just know it? Oh yeah, I've read that before, 1 Peter, Romans, you know, I know that. Yeah, authority, yeah, yeah. But you don't trust it because from your behavior and your heart and your actions, you rail against authority. If the Bible says, Hey, flee immorality, do you trust that? Oh yeah, I remember as Proverbs five, six and seven. And then you look at your life, it doesn't affect you. You don't trust it. You need to not only know your Bible, but you need to trust it more than, listen to me, more than your feelings and your experiences. That's, the, that's a true Christian. Number three, last one. Doubting yourself is not enough. Okay, now I'm getting this from Peter and Judas and the rest of the disciples. Doubting yourself is not enough. You must distrust yourself. I, I, don't, I couldn't find an, a, a word that's even stronger than distrust. I, I don't know, maybe there's one out there. But this is a strong distrust of yourself. Doubting yourself is not enough. You must distrust yourself. I had, guys, I had many friends back in college, in the church, okay? Not in the college where I went to, but college age, in the church that I used to go to, who profess to be Christians in the beginning. You know, and they're just on fire, right? Running the race, outpacing everybody, right? But they end up leaving Jesus. Now I see them on social media, wherever, I see them, and they're in the world. They love their sins. They love the world. They don't like Jesus. They hate the gospel. What happened to them? You know what happened to them? I think they did not have enough distrust of themselves. Here's what I heard them start to say. Okay, before even before college, they they would they would say, "Oh, college is so exciting. You know, I'm gonna do so well. Sure, I'm sure there's a church there. I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna be in the faith for the longest time." Instead, they should have said, "Oh, yes, I, I, I'm excited for college. You know, that's a blessing from God. You know, it is a gift to go to college. But man, that's gonna take me away outside of my home. That's gonna take me away outside of outside of this church. And I'm just so I'm just so scared of what my heart is going to do when I go there, because I don't want to offend God more than I already am. Yes, I'll go to, go- to college, but man, I distrust my heart." Those friends didn't have that. They didn't have that healthy distrust of themselves. Here's another thing that I heard them say when it comes to relationships. They say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. This young, young girl is a Christian, so we're going to start dating. We're going to do fine. We're going to be holy. We're going to be pure. We're going to get married in six months. They didn't say, oh, I know my heart. Actually, God knows it more, a lot more. I think it's wicked. God says it's more, more, more wicked. Yeah, it seems like this young girl is godly. It seems like it could be a relationship. It seems like it could be a nice dating relationship, but I'm just fearful of what my heart can do to a relationship. That's the distrust that I'm talking about. Judas didn't have that. The 11 didn't have that. Peter did not have that. I will not deny. The 11, they will. Not me, Jesus. I trust myself. I will die with you we kind of do that today when it comes to many areas of our lives if you're a christian you need to have a healthy a lot of distrust of yourself not just doubt oh, i don't know if i'm going to do well or not well you you're not going to do well apart from jesus christ Oh, i don't know if that 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 you know relationship is, I, i'm sure it, i'm sure it'll go well no it's not going to go well apart from jesus christ you need to be scared of yourself you need to be scared of your heart you need to distrust your heart don't follow your heart. If you have that t-shirt, you need to burn it. <laughs> Peter followed his heart. Look what happened. Judas followed his heart. Look at what happened. The 11, they're all, they all want to follow their hearts. Jesus says, no, guys, no. I am the ultimate Passover lamb. I am the covering of your sins. I am the salvation that you guys need. Stop trusting in yourself. I think that's the one of the clearest thing that I got out of this story is the, is the fulfillment of God's word, right? Because he just kept saying, it is written, it is written. So he kept being fulfilled. And the failure of man, the failure of man, 12 guys failed. God's word continues to be fulfilled. The failure of man continues to happen also, and it's the same for us. So we look to who we look to Jesus Christ, the ultimate Passover lamb. Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this passage. Thank you for Mark, just how he writes, just how he tells every story that happened to your son, Jesus Christ, and every lesson that he gives us. Just, just thank you. I pray now for those who are not saved in this room. They probably listened to that 50 minutes just disinterested, maybe even hated it. And they're going to go out back to the world, back to their sin. I pray that you would be gracious and merciful to them. I pray that they would start distrusting themselves and trusting in Jesus Christ. For those who who are saved, I pray that they are going to leave today just humbled because Jesus Christ did not take the bread. He did not take the the cup. And we do that every month here, remembering that we received his covering while he went to the cross and paid God's wrath on our behalf. I pray that that would be a humbling lesson. I pray that we would be very thankful, the most humble, the most thankful people on earth because of what Jesus did for us. So help us, Father, as we leave. And again, thank you. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for your love for us. And may we worship you and glorify you in how we think and how we act and, and, and speak this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.